0: music a little muzak they're milwaukee brewers baby head crushers 26 games above 500 that's a season high eight and a half games above the cincinnati reds for first place in the nl central that's a season high and the brewers yeah they sucked on offense last night but doesn't matter they still won two to nothing over the Dirty Birds, the Cardinals. They took them down, Rowdy. How about it? oh yeah. That
1: uh, that was a struggle.
0: Yeah. What was it? Three of fifteen for runners in scoring positions. Well, that's fine. Corbin Burns was dynamite.
1: <laughs> oof,
0: big oof. Yeah, it was a good
1: thing that Corbin Burns looked really good again <laughs> last night. And Colton and Wong
0: got uh, some revenge on his old team.
1: The bullpen came in and shut it down.
0: Yeah, bullpen was nice. Corbin Burns was nice. Colton Wong was nice against his former team, the St. Louis Cardinals. Take that,
1: Adam Wainwright. <laughs> so it was pretty funny. So I was actually downstairs watching the game on my laptop. And, you know, the Brewers come out, score a couple runs, and it's two to nothing. And my dad would occasionally come by and he'd be like, Oh, what's the score? Are they winning, son? Yeah. Oh, it's one to nothing or two to nothing. Oh, but they got guys on second and third or they got guys on <laughs> first and second. Only one out or, you know, whatever. Yeah. And it would, every single time he'd come down, it'd still be. Two to nothing. What's the score? And there'd be guys on first or second or whatever with an out or two. And he goes, Oh, okay. And then finally, (laughs) you know, it's it's getting it's getting later to the I think it was like the seventh inning. Oh, what's the score? Yeah, uh, it's still it's two to two nothing. nothing, but they still have another guy on base, and he goes, "Geez, I feel like they've had guys on base the whole time." What does this up do? Well,
0: <laughs> they, have.
1: <laughs> they have. They had, They just couldn't score anybody.
0: The Brewers' rowdy had fourteen hits last night and only two runs across the plate. But hey, they won.
1: Yeah, cool. you don't. Uh, you don't win many games where you put. You have fourteen hits. You strand what was it, thirteen?
0: Yeah, five of thirteen or three of thirteen, five of thirteen. I gotta look again. Three for fifteen with runners in scoring position.
1: And you stranded thirteen runners left on base. Yep. You don't win many games that way.
0: But thankfully, the pitching staff looked really good last night. Oh my night. God, Corbin Burns just a dynamo. Corbin Burns. Now I know he only had three strikeouts, but my God, the guy was fantastic. Boxberger comes in, he gets her done. Devin Williams comes in, gets her done, and Josh Hader picks up his twenty-fourth save. Of the season, that's how I like that rowdy Burns, Boxberger, Williams, Hater. I like that. When I see a Brent Suter in there, I get a little nervous, especially when he's trying to go vulture wins. I get a little nervous when I see Brent Suter in there. I I like that. Do you like that Burns, Boxberger, Williams, Hater? You like that? I mean, would you like to see Burns for one more inning?
1: Personal preference. If Burns could go eight <laughs> and Hater
0: would pitch the ninth. <laughs> uh, let's see. Burns had eighty nine pitches, fifty six strikes. He has lowered his ERA. To 2.13, that's good for second, second best mark in the NL for Corbin Burns. That dude is—he's uh, a baller, Rowdy. Corbin Burns is nuts. He's given up just one earned run over the last 21 innings, and he struck out 23. Again, those efforts has dropped his ERA to 2.13 in the season. And then let's see here—I don't know. I mean, obviously the Brewers needed the help of the pitching staff, Rowdy, because that—that that, that 14 hits didn't amount to much. It was Col- Colton Wong. Colton Wong was having a his ninth little game when he had three hits. One RBI. And then Omar Narvaez, he had that, what was a double that Narvaez had? He had, uh, not, yeah, Narvaez doubled the deep right, and then he has his ribby. But another good thing, Rowdy, Christian Yelich had two hits last night. We're, we're moving up a little bit. Had two more hits, but, but then he had, then he had, had a couple strikeouts. of bats
1: where he looked pretty bad again.
0: <laughs> he had three strikeouts, but he did have two hits. So, I mean, he's he's turning it around a, a little more, I guess. I actually have some uh,
1: breakdown of Christian Yelich that I thought was really interesting. Because you know how Please. when I when I stream those games, half the time I get Brewers feed, half the time I get the yeah, the opposing team's feed. Yeah. Did
0: you get the bird, Dirty Birds last night?
1: I did have the Cardinals last night. So it was interesting to hear. Some of the Cardinals' perspective on Christian Yelich.
0: What were they saying?
1: Well, I mean, it has to do with a lot of different things, but overall, it's weird seeing Christian Yelich be this bad.
0: I feel like we've been saying that for what, a year and a half now? A year? First, it was Christian Yelich came back, you know, in 2020 when it was that weird season. We're like, all right, let's see what he can do. And then it was not good. And then uh, a lot of injuries went on. How about
1: for the Cardinals, though, last night? Tyler O'Neill had two outfield assists. <laughs> it's Dude. hard enough it's hard enough, obviously. It's not a, a a common thing to have an outfield assist, let alone have two.
0: Let's see. Speaking of um guys that can throw it in, Rowdy linked me to a, an RJ when he gets in here a little later in our DM group, this video last night, but as the Brewers were warming up at uh was that at Bush Stadium and Jackie Bradley Jr. is Where was this rowdy? Right behind home plate,
1: essentially? He was basically, you know how like, when they take batting practice, they set up the big backstop behind?
0: Yeah, so it's behind home plate a little bit. He was just to the right of that. So Jackie Bradley Jr., uh, the Brewers tweeted this video out before the game as they're warming up. Jackie Bradley Jr. gets this running start, does a big crow hop, and he just rifles this ball, essentially from home plate. How far did he throw that thing? Probably 420. 420 feet? Like, he just... He just bombed this baseball with his arm. If I were to do that, Rowdy, I feel like I would tear my shoulder and be out of commission for like three months. Jackie Bradley Jr. just takes this ball and just absolutely obliterates it um, out of Bush Stadium. But yeah, it had to been 420. That's crazy. I, don't, how far, I couldn't even get it to the to warning track, I bet.
1: No, I guarantee you couldn't.
0: No, there's no way. What, what do you think told, you could throw? I told
1: you guys I, f- I would like, feel extremely happy doing that exact thing and throwing it 300.
0: Yeah, my arm would fall off doing that. Like, my arm would literally fall off. I'd tear everything in my arm and my shoulder, and then I'd be on the shelf for like th- – I'd probably be done for the rest of my life. My my shoulder would probably never feel right ever again, especially when it rained. It probably would ache. And, Rowdy, you said how much – So you say, every, time
1: th- every time your team would play in Pittsburgh?
0: Yeah. Oh, my God. i me going me be starting on Pittsburgh. Yeah, Rowdy said I'd be happy with 300. I'd be happy with 300. That was crazy from Jackie Bradley Jr. Dude, this Brewers team, though, my God. Now, I know it was frustrating with the 14 hits and only two runs, but still, is, is, this is this is it, right, for the Brewers, right, Rowdy? This team is insane. This team is nuts. From where we started this season to where we are now. Uh, remember the start of the season when the Brewers, they, they lost the opening series to the what the, the Minnesota Twins, and then we had to go through all that dry spell of all the hitting, and we're wondering what the hell's going on, But and we said there's no way. What was that article we had? I know I've asked this a few times. It was the bold predictions of the 2021 season. Yeah, we're going to have
1: to revisit that at the end of the year.
0: Totally. Let's, right now, it was that Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff would have, was it sub-3 ERAs and combine each for 30-plus 30 wins, 32 wins?
1: No, it was uh, sub-3 combined for 35 wins.
0: Th- sub-3, 35 wins. Now, I don't know if they're going to be combining for those 35 wins. No. But. No chance. Sub three is definitely happening as Corbin Burns sits with a 2.13 ERA, and Brandon Woodruff currently sits at what is he? Let's see, what's 2.18 ERA? So that was the bold prediction, right? Well, that's happening. And then Rowdy, there's another guy that wasn't even considered in the bold predictions with uh, sub three ERA. We look at Freddy Peralta, who sits at 2.26. My God. So, Rowdy, remember? I know you remember this because you just, you just rattled up the stat, but when we heard those bold predictions, we scoffed at uh, – what did we scoff at more? The, the th- wins? The, the 35 combined wins?
1: 100% it was the wins because you saw with uh, those numbers, the under-3 ERA doable – Now, the biggest question mark was Corbin Burns because Corbin Burns looked really good out of a bullpen and an occasional spot start here or there in 2018 when they first initially called him up in that run where he was coming out of the bullpen. Obviously, we know that Brandon Woodruff over the last few years had been uh, becoming the Brewers' ace. It wasn't out of the question for me whether he could go. Under three, I think it was consistency from Corbin Burns if he could go under three because we've really only seen that type of performance from uh, Corbin Burns in one season that was two months long, and it was a season in which he still didn't qualify for the Cy Young because he came up and out short.
0: Was it, Yeah, yeah, it wasn't out so short. So it
1: wasn't the fact that Corbin Burns didn't have the stuff because basically if you paid attention to Corbin Burns' stuff, even before the... the what, the training labs or whatever he was out the in Arizona. Lab. He has had the good stuff since, like, 2016 when they had him. Good When stuff. they drafted him way High back stuff. when. But it was just consistency with it. Call him Mr. And, and Big And more stuff, or less his, his location with where he was throwing the pitches. Because we saw even in 2018 – at times, he was extremely nasty. Same thing with 19, except for Oof. 19, he left a lot of pitches that were very hittable, Oof. and Major League Baseball players didn't miss them. But yeah, it was more, I think maybe they could get the ERA number if Corbin Burns was consistent. I never thought wins. 35 wins was legitimately anything that they would do. Combined just because
0: for 35 wins.
1: How many times have Brent we seen... Brent Suter's got 11. How many... Well, 12. 12, How exactly, many times Jesus. have we seen the Milwaukee Brewers' tandem... Win thirty five games. Now, granted, it was a bold prediction, but I would have said if if they even could have got to thirty, I would have been really pleased.
0: <laughs> All right, Rowdy, I just did a little crunching. Freddie Peralta is nine and three on the year. He's got a sub three ERA of two point two six. Nine and three. Brandon Woodruff, he's got a sub three ERA of two point one eight. His win loss total is seven and six. Corbin Burns, he's got an ERA second best in the NL two point one three. He is a win loss record of eight and four. Those three. Right now, combined for twenty-four wins, so we maybe could get to that thirty-five wins if we do Freddie, Woody, and burnsy
1: I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that they don't even get to thirty-five combined.
0: I don't think so either.
1: Eleven more wins. I mean, there's only, well, there's less than a month and a half left.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't foresee it happening. So that's why it was a bold prediction. And we're like, man, okay, Burns and Woody sub-three ERA combined for thirty-five wins. I don't know about that. Uh, but here we are. Those The, three, the three-headed the three horsemen could combine maybe for 35, so but that have, sub-three ERA is happening. You have 42
1: games left after last night, obviously 162-game season. Mm-hmm. The Brewers have been using a six-man rotation, so obviously they are half of the rotation. Yep. So if you take those 42 games and divide it by six for the number of guys in their rotation – each dude's going to get seven more starts for this year. Uh-huh. So 21 opportunities to get 11 wins.
0: And you got the vulture Brent Suter laying around.
1: Yeah, you know you have Brent Suter lurking. He's not the know, Raptor, he's the vulture. You know that you have Craig Council lurking and, and really hawking that pitch count.
0: Remember when Rob Reichel was on and he said that uh, Craig Council is just beside himself watching Corbin Burns strike out 10. He had his hands in his on his face like, I can't let this guy stay out here. 20,
1: 21 <laughs> opportunities to get 11 wins. I, I, I'm going to say they don't get there as a three,
0: as I w- a trio. That's that's okay, though, right, Rowdy? Because we will take, instead of two, we will take three guys on our pitching staff having a sub-three ERA, right? We'll take that.
1: I'm more concerned with the ERA and the whip than I am with the wins.
0: Yeah, same.
1: But I would be upset if I was them. And Brent Suter <laughs> was on the team with 12 wins.
0: <laughs> the Raptor is a.k.a. the Vulture. <laughs> Oh, my God. But Freddie Peralta, Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, absolutely insane. Speaking of Freddie Peralta, uh, getting the start tonight opposite of Jack Flaherty, Freddie Peralta has an ERA. Now, I know right now we were just talking about his overall year at 2.26, but Freddie Peralta has an ERA over his last 15 starts of 1.85. 1.85 his last 15 starts for Freddie Peralta.
1: Yeah, and he's had uh, some success against the Cardinals.
0: Yeah, he has. Let's see. And Jack Flaherty is 3-6 and six with a 5.2 on ERA and 13 career starts against the Cardinals. No, that's
1: the weird thing. So Jack Flaherty, he came off the uh, IL last week and pitched against the Royals. Jack Flaherty, Cardinals ace, has been really good. He's been really, really good really, at home. Really, really, where really he's good. got a, an ERA sub-2 this year at home. So, obviously, he's going to be tough, but that's just kind of like the thing. You know how guys play better against certain players? Yeah. The Brewers always seem to hit Jack Flaherty. Yeah. I don't know why. He's he's a gr- he's a great pitcher. I mean, the Milwaukee Brewers would love to have him on in their rotation alongside the three that we've just talked about. No doubt about that. But they always seem to hit Jack Flaherty. Really well. And
0: hey Jack, if you can't beat him, join him. Come on over, brother.
1: Freddie Peralta, well Cardinals have he's struggled a, against him. He's a beast. Freddie Peralta rules. Oh, and we have a Miles Michaelis update. Oh. He is going to start for the Cardinals on Friday, so he'll be activated this week.
0: Oh, so, so the Cardinals is will back. be
1: getting their two top guys in their rotation back in the last week plus.
0: And the Brewers have some the Brewers have the most amount of games from the NL against the, the Cardinals. Coming, Car- right? They had 13 going into this series, so 12 more. So 12 more. Uh, the 12th tonight, first pitch is at 645. Brewers, though, 26 games Woo! above 500 and 8 and a half games above the Reds now. <laughs> so how about this, RJ and uh, Nelly over here? Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor believe they can form one of the top wide receiver tandems in Wisconsin history.
2: Yeah, if they stay healthy. That's, I mean, a one important right there <laughs> being available didn't, ha-
0: didn't happen last year. When it comes to being the best wide receiver tandem in Wisconsin history, I don't, I don't. Is that the heart of an accomplishment? Is that that big of a feat? Um, would it be, I mean, obviously be hard to say I want to be the best running back in Wisconsin history? Yeah. say you're the best I mean, wide receiver tandem in Wisconsin history is that that is that that tough of a difficult of a task?
2: It's like one of those. The ones that come to mind are, like, Donald Hayes and Tony Simmons. And it's not like they were, you know, prolific receivers. They were all-around receivers, uh, especially when, you know, Ron Danes, you're running back. Ron Dane. And, I mean, other than that, it's, I mean, Lee Evans and whoever his second guy was, <laughs> you know, it's like that. Yeah. It, uh, Aberderis and whoever his Nick other— Tune.
1: <laughs> I think that was the kind they, of...
2: Were the, they together? That's probably who you're looking to beat then. Was Everett and Nick Peavy.
0: Is P, who's Peavy with? I'm trying to think. Who's
2: he with? Yeah, I'm oh. trying to
0: He's th- probably That's unemployed. A- <laughs> 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 I was just trying to think of stuff here. So, Graham Mertz was asked about, you know, Danny Davis and Kendrick Brad Rowdy. No, it's just funny. He's probably unemployed. <laughs> he still caught that ball in the end zone. He definitely did. And those refs, was that the same game when the refs got pelted with snowballs? Yes, because they deserve that. I mean, I hope you pack those things full of rocks. Oh Yeah. We're not Philadelphia here. Come on. At least an ice ball. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll settle that in an ice ball then. Mertz is talking about what uh, he's asked whether he believed having Davis and Pryor available this season would change what he could do through the air. Uh, Jesse Temple said he smiled, and then he couldn't help but laugh. I guarantee you they will. I don't think I guarantee it's going to be fun playing with them. End that, quote. Graham Mertz. Oh, Graham Mertz. Oh, Mertz. Mertz-mania. Well, yeah. When we saw the you know the full complement of everyone against. Okay, Illinois. Boys. Yeah, Illinois. When it comes to Illinois game, the Illinois game. Do we take that with a grain of salt?
1: I'm
2: starting to. Yeah.
0: No other Badger quarterback that would have ever done something like that against a, a bad team like in Illinois. Rob Wheelwright was the second leading
2: ah, receiver yes, behind Rob Jazz Peavy, Rob Peavy. Wheelwright, but the he actually second, got some
1: run in the NFL. Yeah, I th- the, was it the Chiefs?
2: E- I, yeah, I think so. Um,
0: Research department. But
2: the second overall leading receiver, that's not technically a receiver, uh, Troy Fumigale on that team. Ah,
0: yes, 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 yes. So we saw – so Rowdy, you're taking the Illinois game with a grain of salt for Graham Mertz and Mertz Mania. I mean, I think that's what he can be. I
1: don't think that's what he is.
0: So Illinois, not good, obviously. But Graham Mertz looked like the Heisman winner of that year. Um, Turned out to not be so. But uh, I saw Mike Lucas tweet this out earlier this morning. Graham Mertz tied UW's record by completing 17 straight passes against Illinois. In 2014, Tanner McAlvoy completed 17 straight versus Western Illinois. Yeah, but some of those passes were like two yard passes. <laughs> uh, let's see here. The FBS record is 26 straight. It was uh, Eastern Carolina's Dominique Davis in 2011. Nice. And then let's see. Your FCS record is 29. It was Princeton's Quinn Epperly in 2013. So the more you know.
1: Robert Wheelwright did catch on with the Kansas City now. Chiefs in 2017. Played for the British Columbia Lions in 2018.
2: Oh, nice! Oh, look at that! Played some CFL, British Columbia. Here it's lovely. The BC Lions.
0: A uh, message here from our guy Packers JT Jeff says: Here's the problem with the you know the tandem, the best in, in Wisconsin history. If this year's wide receivers are the best tandem in history, Mertz will get all the credit, not the wide receivers. Yeah, uh, I mean that's being a quarterback
2: though. I mean, quarterbacks get all the love. Look at some of the greatest receivers in Packers history. Rodgers made them. So did Favre.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's what everyone always says. Yeah. They go on elsewhere, i.e. like a Greg Jennings. I mean, do you think we'd and- ever hear
2: of Max McGee if it wasn't for Bart Starr? <laughs> <laughs> Max
0: McGee. <laughs> I don't know, boys. So this. what about you? Do you take that Illinois game for Graham Mertz with a grain of salt like Nelly does? Um, you know,
2: they, Illinois was not a good football team. But it, I don't know if it I definitely takes some sort of skill to complete 95.7% of your passes. Should have been 100. It should have been. Yeah. But Thanks, I, don't know. I don't know if,
1: if uh, taking it for a grain of salt is the right term or phrase. Because, obviously, he has that type of talent. But the team was not good. Not and none. he really hasn't ever hit that same ceiling since.
0: Well, I mean, we now were looking good in Michigan, of, then he got hurt.
2: There's well, eh. got the COVID.
0: You got the Rona, and then he got hurt with the shoulder.
2: And then his receivers also got
0: the Rones and hurt or something. Uh, it was leg up. injury
2: and concussion. That's what it was. The Michigan game
1: was decent. It was nowhere near Illinois, and no. Michigan should be thankful it was nowhere near Illinois because they got blown out of the building that yes, day. They did. Worst loss
2: in
0: Big House history.
1: And if Graham Mertz would have played like he did against Illinois, my the, God! I think
0: the correct term is ass blasted. <laughs> I think that's the correct vernacular for Michigan.
2: Oh, research department giving you a thumbs up. Thank you. Correct for vernacular. There,
0: that was the one? All right, thanks. Appreciate that. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, taking it with a grain of salt might be the wrong verbiage on that one, Rowdy. If, it's, it's just we haven't seen that type Lasset of play right
1: outside of that one game, and now there's been all of these different variables on why he hasn't been able to reach that. But I'm starting to get to the – especially going into this year with everything healthy, everything being with Paul Chris calling the plays with your top two receivers being healthy. He's supposedly healthy. The offensive line sounds like they'll be good to go for the start of the season. It's kind of like put up or shut up. You've been here for three years.
0: (laughs) Right. Um, Let's see here. Looking at uh, some notes that uh, Zach Halpern, our sports director had, Let's see. Logan Bruss, Logan Brown, Tanner Bordolini, all out of practice. Bruss and Bordolini were wearing knee braces. <laughs> Tyler Beach had a leg injury. <laughs> Bordolini. <laughs> they say, with uh, he said, with these injuries. Here's what the first team offensive line looked like during team drills. Left tackle was Riley Malman. Uh, left guard was Josh Seltzner. Seltzner. Center was Joe Tittman. Right guard was Jack Nelson. Howdy. And right tackle was Michael Furtney. Is that right? Sure, nailed it. So yeah, I mean, hopefully all these guys are gonna be uh, well ready I'm to just, go. Which assume, I assume they're going to be. personally starting <laughs>
1: get to get to the point is okay. He's been here for three. This will be his third year now. Yes, he played a little bit in two thousand nineteen when they were blowing teams out. Yeah, he only threw what ten passes or whatever it was his true freshman year. Yeah, and then twenty twenty comes hey, and he goes. Was nine to ten though. And he played in every single game that they played in in 2020. And now all of a sudden, this is his third year in the program. You would have to say that that uh, playing-wise with the bowl and the the handful of games and the few games that he got in his true freshman year, those that 2019 and 2020 combined has to be like his one true starting year. Mm-hmm. And now with all the talent we've seen it once, it's time. It's it's time to prove it this year.
0: Yeah, it's put up or
1: shut up, right? I I like if he doesn't play well this year, then
0: I ain't buying the shirt. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not buying into Wisconsin or him as a quarterback. You know, Graham Mertz, by all accounts, not really separating himself from Chase Wolf in the training camp that is for the Wisconsin Badgers. Graham Mertz at times looking good, and then at other times looking not good uh, at all. Now, this is a guy that, obviously, we all think of the Illinois game, Mertz Mania running wild last year, and then some of that Michigan game looked pretty damn good, too, just not as good as Illinois, obviously. And then it kind of devolved from there, where it's like, okay, well, you're missing your wide receivers. There's COVID, there's injuries. Turns out Graham Mertz also had a hurt shoulder, which he didn't let on. Well, you could obviously tell something was off with Graham Mertz, but he wasn't saying that he was hurt. And then after the season was over, it's like, yeah, I had an injured shoulder, but he's saying now Rowdy is more confident than he's ever been, uh, feels you know, healthy, 110% healthy, and he's ready for the season gets underway. And proclaiming uh, his, his quarterbacking prowess is going to be a lot easier now that you know Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor are back, saying that they could be the best tandem in Wisconsin wide receiver history. So Graham Mertz, though, when you hear that he's not separating himself from Chase Wolf, I mean, he's going to be the starter. You can't put the genie back in the bottle, you know, to start the season out with Graham Mertz. But when he can't separate himself from Chase Wolf, Rowdy, I mean, not with a grain of salt that Illinois game, but I'm a little concerned, I think, moving forward. I know we don't have much to go on from last year, and all we really have for some positive stuff is that Illinois game, you know, I guess half of a Michigan game. I don't know. What's the vibe coming in if Graham Mertz isn't, isn't above clear-cut Chase Wolf, are we going to have some pains coming up here in the season? Badgers, the schedule that looks pretty nice, though, for them when it comes to the big dogs, they all come to Camp Randall. I mean, who's their hardest game on the road? Minnesota?
1: Well, remember when we were talking about the Badger football team moving forward and we were talking about, you know, all of the changes that were happening? This was whew, probably like this spring. I think it was around this spring because I think they were just starting with like spring practices and doing stuff again as a team, and we were talking about how that we none of us had issues or any concerns with the defense, and that's been pretty well spelled out here with the reporting that's coming out of camp here the last couple of weeks. Defense looks great. Mm-hmm. No one really had any issues with or concerns with any of the pass catchers with Danny Davis coming back, with Kendrick Pryor coming back, with Chimray DK coming off a pretty good true freshman season, and then obviously you had uh, Ferguson coming back as kind of like your senior leader at tight end. Mm -hmm. No one really had any issues there either. We all were kind of figuring that the offensive line would also be a, a Wisconsin offensive line. Even when it's a bad Wisconsin offensive line, it's a pretty good offensive line for the country. Yeah. So no one really had any issues there. The the one place, or the, I guess the couple places at that time that we were concerned about was one the running backs room, and two was Graham Mertz. The reason why we were concerned with the running backs room was because Jalen Berger had only been given fifteen snaps a game. There didn't seem to be a ton of depth behind Jalen Berger last year, and I know. I've said it, I think RJ agreed with me, but over the past 20, 20 21 years, that was the worst uh, Wisconsin running back room I've ever seen. Yeah. Well, now you give another year of uh, Jalen Berger. Uh, from what I've heard with him in the weight room, I know a lot of people said he wasn't a big fan of lifting weights and wasn't actively in there all the time. His when legs, he was, his like, legs in weren't big high enough. High school, yeah, they always mentioned how his legs were Yeah, chicken small. legs. Well, I saw I forget who the tweet was from, but I saw a tweet where they were saying how he actually did get in the weight room the last year and his numbers in the weight room were significantly better than where they were when he came in. So that's a, a plus. Plus, we talk about Chaz Malusi's turning heads in practice. What up, Malusi? That is a true division one running back that sat behind Travis Etienne, who's a great player now playing for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Those are two legit guys now that big are time. division one big time running backs big time. I don't think you have as much as of a worry. plus you have everyone else in that um in that running backs room that gets another year of experience, another year of of uh, being in the weight room. and then we've even heard. Murmurs and even more than murmurs, some really loud shouts for the the Braylon. What is it? Braylon Braylon Allen. Allen. That
0: dude's a monster. 17 years old.
1: The guy that's 17 and what, for went his senior year?
0: Can't even buy a pack of smokes yet, Rowdy.
1: So, I mean, there's a lot of promise and now upside at that um, running back position. And now it it literally just comes down to quarterback. And isn't it always
0: been kind of the question, right?
1: And it always has been, except for when... You had Russell Wilson, and I think Russell Wilson when he came in. Every this was what I remember of Russell Wilson. Okay, he was a pretty good quarterback at NC State, but they kind of ran a lot of spread option. He's a good baseball player, just a good overall athlete. Yep, had a decent arm, but I mean, was was solid in, in college. I don't think anyone expected Russell Wilson to do what he did. No, I'm um, no no, and I think to go one further, I really don't think any NFL teams expected Russell Wilson to be who he is currently.
0: No. Definitely I mean, He not.
1: was he was a third-round pick by the Seattle Seahawks. They signed Matt Flynn.
0: Well, you want to know why he did all that, Rowdy, with all the doubters? Because he's Mr. Unlimited. He's unlimited. Well, yes, to your point, no one expected that, really. They're like, okay, we'll have a nice season with him, but that,
1: wow. And everyone had their doors blown off by what he did and how good the offense was and how well he translated from that offense at NC State to Wisconsin's pro style. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, ever since then, they were... They were chasing the Russell Wilsons,
0: and, and now Grant th- Mertz is the highest touted quarterback they've ever had.
1: Well, that that's the thing. Remember when Danny O'Brien was the very was that the <laughs> very next year he was garbage. He was yeah, terrible. He they ended up going, I believe, with uh, Tanner McAvoy over him, a guy that was. You know, half quarterback, half defensive. Hey,
0: speaking of Seahawks, Tanner McAvoy was a Seahawk rowdy, and I think Russell Wilson hit him with a pass, a touchdown pass, when he's a wide receiver, if I remember correctly, after he got off special teams, McAvoy. And then he disappeared. Nowhere to be found again in the NFL. But I mean,
1: even since then, we've, we're always chasing. We need that Russell Wilson type to give the Badgers a legit chance at winning a national championship or even qualifying for now the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And, I think along the way, we've kind of overlooked some of these really good quarterbacks that we've actually had, whether it be Scott Tolzien, who I think was phenomenal, or Jack Jack Cohn for the one-plus year that he played there was really, really good. And instead, now here's Graham Mertz. He's highly... Touted, He was Mr. All-Star. He's the Kansas you know, he Cannon. He had he was five was uh, High School All-Star Game. What was at the Army? Yeah,
0: the, the Armed Forces Bowl or whatever the hell it was called. He had five tutties or six or seven whatever the hell it was. He's got the hype.
1: He kind of has like the charisma and attitude.
0: He's, he's got the bravado.
1: And he had the one game against Illinois. And then it's been pretty much... Instead of chasing Russell Wilson, I think a lot of people think they have Russell Wilson. They're now just chasing that Illinois game.
0: Yep, they're chasing the dragon, Rowdy. They're trying to get that high again of the Illinois game. I don't know if you we'll ever get that high again, just because football was canceled. Remember, <laughs> football was canceled. And the funniest part is, and then it came back. And then Graham Mertz had that game, and we're all like, we got football if, back. got Graham Mertz. All of a sudden, does
1: does ball out and he does reach like that Illinois-type game, or he looks like Russell Wilson, obviously Wisconsin fans are going to be ecstatic. They're going to have a good year. They're going to win 10-plus games. They're going to play Ohio State in that uh, conference championship game. But he could also be a one-and-done. He could. Because this is technically his third year. He, he could go to the NFL.
0: He, he very well could.
1: He's got the website. He's got the logo. Could you imagine that after anticipating this, anticipating I can't imagine this for it. two I can. years? I can Yeah. Then you're really let down in 2020. You have this BS COVID stuff that's going around. Yeah. Then you, you're doubting him going into 2021, but he just absolutely brings it,
0: and then he's gone. I can, I just can like believe it. That. I can see it. I'm not surprised by anything anymore, especially after 2020 and now into 2021. Nothing surprises me anymore. And then you're going to be searching for that quarterback again. And back at the square one. All right, Rowdy. But to be
1: honest, I'd actually prefer that. Because if Graham Mertz is that good, Wisconsin has a real shot at a college football playoff this year.
0: (laughs) Ready? Life is back on, sports bettors, and BetUS has your NBA, NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and, yes, NFL betting lines up for their 27th year and live betting on all of it. Log in to BETUS.com or call 800-792-3887. That's 800-79-BETUS. BetUS BetUS for 125% bonuses with the promo code TheZone125. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com. Real quick, let's just do uh, the Danimal. I was under the full belief yesterday. <laughs> this is hilarious.
3: D- v- Vogelback.
0: Yeah. All right, so I was under the full belief yesterday that the Danimal, uh, Daniel Vogelback, was going to be DFA'd. I don't know what, what they were going to do with him. There's really no room at first base. Uh, you know, the Brewers, you know Eduardo Escobar, who's Rowdy was just talking about not too long ago, can play there as well. Rowdy Telez is hotter than uh, the Devil's Britches. So I thought, I don't know what they're going to do. They DFA'd Travis Shaw. He's now a part of the Boston Red Sox organization. And I was like, what are they going to do with Daniel Vogel back? Well, Rowdy, we got some clarity yesterday.
1: Yeah, and it was weird because Sunday night he had officially finished his uh, minor league rehab stint. Mm -hmm. And then Monday was an off day for the Brewers, so there was no need to make a roster move. And he's
0: out of options, right?
1: Yeah, don't believe he has any options left. And so Tuesday, Tuesday was going to be obviously the day where they were going to have to make a decision. Were they going to bring him back to the major leagues? Were they going to send him back to AAA and therefore put him on waivers, a.k.a. DFA him? What was going to happen to Daniel Vogelback? And a lot of people, myself included, you're like, well, you have to DFA him here. You know, you have. Yeah, what are you going to do? You have Eduardo Escobar, who's was, well, one of the more productive guys on the Brewers if he was there the entire season. Well, he's swinging the bat even better. Obviously, you have Rowdy telez who's roadie, swinging the bat roadie, really well. Roadie. Then all of a sudden, there was an update on Daniel Vogelback, And
0: not DFA'd.
1: He is not DFA'd because he has been taken off of his, quote-unquote, minor league rehab assignment due to
0: not a hamstring that put him on there. No, no. But a phantom foot injury. A foot injury. Vogelback pulled off of rehab due to a foot issue yesterday at four thirty three PM. <laughs> a foot and correct me if I'm wrong, Rowdy. When he was playing for the Nashville Sounds, he looked perfectly healthy and he was batting almost like three seventy. Yeah, and there was videos of him running the bases. <laughs>
1: and, and the last time you've seen Daniel Vogelback running the bases, you saw him hopping on like one leg because when that's when he injured his the hamstring. hamstring. Yeah, and it, it one it didn't look fast at all. Two, it didn't look good. But now he's been on that IL since late May. He's been playing in Nashville for I. think, think at least a little over two weeks and he looked, yeah, he was hitting the ball. Well, he looked good. I'm not going to say he looked fast, but he looked uh, like he was, we'll say he's up to speed,
0: up to speed for a hefty boy. And uh, you never, you never never call someone that size fast. Up to speeds.
1: Nice. All of a sudden guy has a foot injury. I, I a hundred percent think this is a wink wink. Hey, how about you have a little foot injury? We're going to put you back on the IL until early September. And we promise you, We'll put you on the uh, September call-up where we get two additional <laughs> roster spots. Why don't you chill out here, take some at-bats, and consistently get more swings?
0: Okay, so what when you are designated with an injury, I, I'm not I am not up to speed on what needs to all happen. What if you have an injury? Do you have to have like a doctor sign off on it and vouch for that this injury is real for you to go on it like the ten day IL that he is, or is it just honor system?
1: Because I don't know. I couldn't tell you the exact protocol, but, I mean, think about it, though. Say you have a guy that gets hit in the hand. He gets hit in the hand, and say he, like, fractures his fractures a bone in his finger. Yeah. I mean, obviously that guy's going to have a, a hard time holding the baseball bat, right? At least for a day or two. Yeah. And you would think, oh, well, it's got some swelling, it's got some bruising, you're going to sit him down for at least a day or two. Well, then you give him the MRI, and it turns out that they're, the finger's fracture in a couple spots. Well, you know you can't do anything for a finger fracture.
0: You just got to let it do its, it's thing. It's
1: just kind of got to do its thing. Well, all of a sudden, the guy is, is good to go. Like, okay, well, we can put him on the 10-day IL, or we can have him sit out, and if he wants to play in three days, the guy's going to play in three days. Uh-huh. I feel like... There's so much gray area here. Because some guy might say, oh, I can't grip the bat. My finger's fractured. I'm going to go on the IL for a couple weeks. Another guy says, yeah, it's kind of sore, but the swellings went down. Yeah, I got this fracture. I'm going to play through it after two days. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, she like didn't. it's so gr- There's so much gray area here. I feel like, hey, you're a big guy that's got a bad hammy. Now it's good. Oh, my foot might be sprained. I came around first base. My foot feels sprained.
0: Rowdy, I have a very uh, sneaky suspicion. You, can, you You can never tell
1: how someone's foot is sprained. Obviously, you can see that it's. it could be potentially well, I swollen. Sprained.
0: I know how it got sprained. You want to know how? You want to know how? Sure. I think David Stearns went up to him and <laughs> said, hey, man, how you feeling? You feeling okay? He's like, yeah, 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 I'm ready to go back. And then David Stearns just stomped on his foot as hard as he could. How you feel now? Well, like well, that's what I'm
1: saying. It's like you can tell when if someone's got something sprained because normally at first it's either bruising or it's swollen. And someone's but, probably walking with a little bit of a limp. But you have you have some people. That maybe will maybe be he's like, got gout. Maybe he's got gout. You will have some people that'll say, "Oh, my ankle still hurts like weeks and weeks after, and the, there's no more swelling, and the bruising has went away." Sure. And you could still say that that ankle still sprained; it's still sore. Like uh, in high school, I sprained my Achilles, my ankle really, really bad yeah. in football, and I'm not I'm not kidding you. It was swollen for like obviously a couple of weeks. It's actually still swollen never really went back down well, geez, but uh maybe. put you on the IL. it it was where it went from my achilles all the way up to the side of my knee you had, and but like the side of my leg wasn't swollen or anything but i'll tell you what it hurt like hell to walk all the way up the side of my leg
0: hey maybe he's got gout or turf toe i had turf toe that sucked couldn't even walk for like three days
1: i feel like it's more honor system to answer your question i think come, it's honor to system come too. around full circle here
0: i think daniel Vogelback will feel a lot better when the rosters expand I, yeah, I think he'll just happen to come off. No, I think the timeline will add up where all of a sudden he feels he's like on well, the fountain of youth when the roster's expand.
1: I think we, I think we have to look at this. Look at the, uh, it's currently the 18th, so they put him on the IL, what, the IL again on the 17th. Yep. Ten day IL. Ten right days. Now. That'll put him to the 27th. Rosters expand in early September. That gives him just enough for about a week, uh, quote unquote rehab, rehab. Stip in AAA and then a call up. It's a perfect timeline.
0: Huh. Just coincidence, right, Rowdy? I think that's just all coincidence how that adds up. Rowdy, Christian Yelich has actually been turning it around a little bit. He's been hitting the ball. Still look a little lost at times, but he was the reason why the Brewers won on Sunday against the Pirates. And then last night, Yelly, um, Yelly had a couple hits. What, well, two hits? And he struck out three times, but he had two hits. Uh, and the. He scored, right? Yeah, he scored when, was it Nervias Doubled the deep right in the third. Yeah, so Yelly, what's the vibe on Yelly looking like now? I well, mean, obviously... He's getting since,
1: better. Yeah, since he got uh, activated and he's been playing, I mean, there's been a lot to be desired, obviously, because we're talking about a guy that was Could a... Have been two-time MVP. Former MVP, should have been two-time MVP, multiple-time All-Star, and you're hoping... Uh, no one was. Ex- I don't think anyone was expecting Christian Yelich to come back and be an MVP this year, but I think
0: what about an almost
1: everybody was expecting him to be an All Star.
0: Yeah, and I don't, that, I don't think that's asking too much either. And
1: especially with how we saw his game translate from Miami, which is a pitcher-friendly park, to Miller Park at the time, which is very hitter-friendly, especially to left-handed hitters. Plus, we saw him growing and maturing. As as a human being, as a man, hell, hell as yeah, he's Ronnie. got, well, he's gotten bigger. He's filled out more. He's a he's, man. he's added more power to his game, and that's basically just because he's maturing. He's he went from a guy that was playing in a you know a pitcher's friendly ballpark when he was in his early twenties to a a a man that is now in his later twenties, and he's filled out and put on power and playing a hitter friendly.
0: I'm a man. I'm in my later twenties.
1: Well, you look at. Uh, <laughs> Christian Yelich, we all know he hasn't lived up to that. He hasn't played well the last two years. Mm-hmm. And you started to see, though, in the last, what, six games or so, he was starting to come around, starting to come up with more hits, starting to look a little bit better. Now, granted, he's still missing a lot of pitches he didn't miss in 2018, 2019. Yeah. But have you noticed where a lot of his hits are going?
0: Where are they going, Roddy?
1: A lot of them have been to have been from center to left field. So
0: just like little screamers out there. Well well that's the one he had on Sunday, right?
1: All of all of the bigger obviously he's pulled a few balls, but a lot of his hits when he's when he stayed in there have been from center to left field, which means he's taking the ball the other way. He's not trying to do too much with it. And I think that's a good sign. And I think it's an even better sign because like I told you earlier, when I stream these games It's 50-50 whether I'm going to get the Brewers broadcast or whether I'm going to get the opposing team's broadcast. Well, I got the St. Louis Cardinals broadcast last night. Mm -hmm. And you may know him from his time with the Angels, or maybe it was the Cardinals, or maybe it was the Cubs, or Brewers or Reds. We're we're talking about Jim Edmonds was actually on the call with the Cardinals broadcast. Obviously, one-time Brewer, long-time Angel and, and Cardinal.
0: He's 51 now. Wow. Yeah, others
1: others may know him from the Cardinals, the Angels, whatever. Your wives may know him because he dates a uh, real housewife.
0: Oh, poor guy. Or is married Man, to him, whatever it is. That's
1: but tough. anyways, what we do know about Jim Edmonds, he's a great player, right? Yeah. He was good defensively, good offensively. And he was talking about Yelich because he's newer into the Cardinals booth, I guess. He's been watching them, and the one big difference he's seen with Christian Yelich is he's really top-hand heavy when he's swinging the bat right now, and he's really pulling off of the baseball. And that makes sense because we've seen a lot of uh, Christian Yelich miss breaking balls that have been right down the middle or fastballs that are right down the middle, and all of a sudden he's just missing them.
0: Yeah, he looks like sometimes he's just lost up there. Yeah,
1: and it's, it's pitches that are right there that he was crushing into the seats. Yeah. And it makes sense if if he's really top-hand heavy and he's really pulling off the baseball hard, why he would be missing those pitches that are right there because he's flying out of the box. It's because he's not staying balanced when he's swinging the bat. And that makes sense that when we have seen him swing the bat well lately when he's come back, that a lot of his uh, at-bats and his hits have come to left field or left center field. And it's because he's got to stay balanced to go out and go get those and stay back. Which makes a lot of sense from what Jim Edmond said, that his top hand looks heavy and he's pulling off the baseball. Makes a ton of sense then.
0: So we had yesterday the discussion that Yelly is the player to watch moving forward for the Milwaukee Brewers. Now that we're watching him, Rowdy is they're starting to figure out his problems, right? And I think it looks like he's starting to correct it a little bit. Well,
1: easier said than done. Especially yeah. when it's something that he's now been doing for... Two years, which is really about one full season, it's hard to correct mistakes that you physically have been making for that long because then it comes
0: routine, right? You need, you need two weeks to, you got, what do they say? You got to do something for two weeks in a row to finally make it a new habit. So the arms for the Milwaukee Brewers are absolutely phenomenal. You look at the bullpen too, looking really nice last night. Josh Hader gets his 24 save. What we wanted to talk about, or what I assumed we wanted to talk about was some of the moves that they made in the pitching staff. And that's where I was going to go to you, Rowdy. And when it comes to the Brewers and what you want to talk about yesterday when you run out of time, what is it that you want to bring up today about the pitching staff? Well, what they did <laughs> Jesus. between
1: this pitching staff here in the last few series, it happens to do with when they went on the road to Wrigley Field and the Chicago Cubs. Obviously, during last week, they had multiple games rained out. Due to well, rain, inclement weather, and it created two double headers. And we know that double headers now are seven innings, and we know that combined they're only 14 instead of 18 plus. And what they were able to do because of those rain outs and double headers, it helped the bullpen, which had a ton of COVID. It helped the starters because it gave them extra days rest, especially when for the most part, the pitching rotation had been going uh, a a five-man rotation that they changed into a six-man rotation. And for the better part of over a month plus, they had been using a six-man rotation. Well, those rain delays gave them an opportunity to take extra days off in which they were more used to. And honestly, the bullpen and Aaron Ashby have to be people that they have to be ecstatic with. Ashby gave them two starts from a Tuesday to a Saturday, which they hadn't been doing with really any starter for over a month. And then the bullpen came in in the game that that got uh, had a rain delay. Mm-hmm came in and helped preserve that game for Ashby. But that allowed with the off day they had this Monday, them to reset their starting rotation. And when you look at the upcoming schedule that the Brewers had, we know that they have some tough teams coming up here. And we know that we've talked about earlier in the season. Oh, they have long stretches of games throughout this year where they have 15 games. They have 16 games in in a row without a day off. And we know that that team had a ton of COVID in the bullpen and even into the starters, and they were using a six-man rotation. Mm-hmm. Well, what did they do? It was it allowed them to flip their rotation where they went Burns last night, Peralta tonight, Woody on Thursday. That's your top three. We've talked about it all year. And Hauser's coming back, right? Hauser is, is expected to come back, and I think he was eligible to come back either Tuesday or today. But what it, what they allowed See. you to do is flip your top three guys against St. Louis, a team that is getting healthier. They had Jack Flaherty scheduled for uh, tonight and it allowed you to put your best three guys out there against a team that is still somewhat competing or thinks they can compete for the division or that last wildcard spot. Then you look, you're, you got Lauer back over the weekend. You are getting Adrian Hauser back by the weekend. It allows you to go back to that six man rotation where you have your Hauser, Lauer, Anderson for the three-game series against the Nationals. You get your day off, so you even push them back another day. And who do you get against the three-game series for the Reds, who are also another team that are... Closest to you in the standings is still ducks. competing. Your top three guys once again get to pitch against Cincinnati for all three games, and they get exactly a week off between starts. And then you have your your other three guys pitch against the lowly Twins. Yep, yep. And yep. then what do you do? You, you the start the four game series with the San Francisco Giants, and you get your three studs and Adrian Hauser for those four games.
0: It's all working out nice for the Milwaukee Brewers down the stretch. And here. then,
1: unfortunately. For the rest of the the games that week, it's against St. Louis where you'll have two of your back-end guys and one of your studs. And then two out of the three games against the Phillies at home will have the the studs. In my opinion, it was a genius move because now you're getting your top three guys against St. Louis, against Cincinnati, San Francisco. And then you're splitting them up between the St. Louis and Philly series moving forward and that's all in a stretch where they start that 16 games in a row without a day off as their bullpens getting healthier as the rotations getting healthier i think it was really smart and i think uh, it will lead to more wins than had they not done that look
0: at the milwaukee brewers pushing all the right buttons pulling all the right levers tugging on all the right strings they are and gustave that's what's coming back on friday so gustave uh, could well, go on Hauser, a rehab assignment as soon as Friday.
1: Hauser and Gustave were placed on the COVID list, I believe, the same day. Yeah,
0: I'm reading right here. Trainer's room. Poised to go on a rehab assignment as soon as Friday for Gustave. And let's see. Craig Council said he could, he should throw a bullpen session while the team is in St. Louis. So there you go for the righty in Gustave.
1: Well, once they get through the St. Louis series and then they uh, play the Nats over the weekend, they have a day off on Monday. That's when they start that 16 games in a row without a day off, but once you get through that 16-game stretch where you're going to have predominantly your big dogs going against the better teams, it gets pretty easy for the Brewers for the most part. You have a day off, three games with Cleveland, day off, two-game series with Detroit, day off. Then you play a lot of games against the Cubs, Cardinals, Mets, and the, se- er, the season with the Dodgers. Becomes really manageable once you get through that final 16-game stretch.
0: Yeah, Brewers right now, uh, again, 26 games above 500 8 and a half over the Reds. Freddie Peralta tonight. <laughs> New GM of the Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers, making some moves. Say goodbye. Say goodbye, Rowdy, to Josh Jackson as they ship him off to the New York Giants in, re- in exchange for another cornerback, Isaac Yedem. Yedem, 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 Yedem. One or the other. If he's good, I'll learn his name better. It's like the Rowdy talese Taliz approach. Once he was good, we bothered to learn his name. So Isaac Yadam comes over from the New York Giants in exchange for Josh Jackson. And apparently, you know about this, Josh Jackson, I know Mike Clemens was talking about it, seemed, and I know LeFleur had made some comments in the, at the podium, but Mike Clemens specifically saying it seemed like Josh Jackson really didn't want to be in Green Bay. Didn't really want to uh, like really latch on. He would have some, have some moments. Where he'd be like, okay, this guy looks really good, and then he'd have some other more moments where you're like, man, this who is this guy? He kind of stinks. But the Packers, I mean, that their former second round pick and Josh Jackson, uh, in ex- <laughs> like that's a second round pick that they just sent over to the Giants. I don't. I mean, what was the vibe for Josh Jackson? I always thought it was a guy that at, at times could make plays, but for the most, was just kind of ho hum.
1: Well, Josh Jackson. Full disclosure, I actually really liked that pick in the second I liked round it for too. The, the Green Bay Packers back, what was that, the Jair Alexander draft, was that 2018? Yep, you'd be correct. I thought that was a really good pick in the second round. I mean, Josh Jackson was a physical corner out of Iowa that played really well in the Big Ten. I
0: liked it at the time. and I think a lot of people did.
1: I know it was like day of the draft, all of a sudden his stock started to kind of fall. Cause he was a guy that a lot of people thought was going to be taken in the mid to late first round. Then all of a sudden that was when the Packers uh, traded back, selected Jair Alexander, picked up the first round pick that ended up becoming uh savage Darnell Savage. And then using their second round pick ended up getting Josh Jackson to follow them. Now, Jas- Josh Jackson is rookie year. He showed some flashes like he was forced to play out there a decent amount. Showed some flashes, but then also had flashes of like, that's not very good. And then pretty much after that, you just saw him less and less.
0: Yeah, then you never really saw him at all.
1: Really, you only saw him when you had multiple injuries in that secondary or on special teams here and there. You never really saw a ton of Josh Jackson. And when you did see him... You saw him not performing up it was, to the uh,
0: a lot left to be desired.
1: And then, if you watch that uh, first preseason game against the Houston Texans, the Houston Texans, when they did throw the ball and and had receivers make plays, you know who always seemed to be covering them? Josh Jackson, the guy that was shipped out. Now, this Isaac Yedem, Yedem, I don't Yeadim? know how to say his name either.
0: Well, if he if he turns out to be good, which I'm not really expecting it, we'll learn it. Well, I'm Yedem, Yedem. I'm thinking, looking at. T- at both of these guys they're guys that have been uh well real quick check this out on on this the packers who sent josh jackson to the giants right they're receiving get him or eat whatever the hell you say his name he was drafted 54 picks after josh jackson in the third round of 2018
1: yeah and they're guys that from what it looks like they're they're kind of in the same spot. They've probably shown some flashes. Oh. It's probably just a change in scenery type trade here. For sure. But I think uh We're, I'm up for it.
0: I mean, it's it's whatever. If it's it's fine. I don't think I don't at it's this point I don't anyways. think there's
1: a winner. I don't think there's a loser. I think it's literally just a swap in scenery and hoping that both guys can catch on with their team. But I will say this. Uh Yidim, however you say it, he has started 19 games in the last three years. Josh Jackson can't say that.
0: Yeah, so the research department just did tap me on the shoulder and say it is pronounced Yedem. Yedum. Yedem. Like Y-E-A-H. So, yeah. Slash dumb. Yedim. Yedim,
1: he has started games. Josh Jackson really hasn't done a ton of that.
0: Yedem. Like, yeah, it. So, Josh Jackson, yeah, I mean, whatever. Yeah, I'm going to say on paper,
1: just from looking at it, Packers might have slightly won this one, but I don't think anyone's really a winner.
0: Yeah, Aaron Rodgers, the new GM, really slicing and dicing. so Yetimus is his third team since being drafted by the Broncos in 2018. He's cheaper. Out of Boston College, he is cheaper. He's cheaper. Let's see here. Six foot one, 190. Uh, He went on to start 10 games and finished with 46 tackles and five passes defended for the Giants. He now joins up with... uh, What, Jair Alexander, Kevin King, Shannon Sullivan, and Eric Stokes all are are locks to make the roster. So he'll be battling Ento, uh, Gene Charles, and Holman for a roster spot.
1: Yeah, and if anything, it just adds depth to a secondary that, well, Kevin King has still been sidelined with a hamstring injury.
0: Mm -hmm. And our guy Ben Kenny over here, Ben, you uh, just DM'd me a tweet. Were you a big – I know you just gave yourself a new position here, the – the Zone's head of fandom outside of Wisconsin sports?
3: The the resident chair of other market sports. We
0: will have to write that down on the board so I remember that. Uh, are you also the president of the Josh Jackson fan club?
3: No, but... You just
0: sent me a very interesting tweet. So this, you played against Wisconsin.
3: I, as a avid Wisconsin football follower above all else, this is the same Josh Jackson that in 2017, when Iowa came to play Wisconsin, Wisconsin was 10-0 at the time, That was when Alex Hornerbrook was good and they were rolling, Mm. ranked eighth in the country. Mm. Man, that was a really small window. (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Iowa picked up 66 total yards in the game. They had five first downs. Oh, I remember this. Yeah. They just never moved forward but they scored 14 points because Josh Jackson had two pick sixes.
0: Yeah, yeah he was a stud. He was a stud.
3: I, I just remember that game so vividly. That was the game that I started to talk crap to Iowa fans, and everyone in the student section was like, why are you being mean? Yeah, if
1: we don't do that. We I was be nice. actually in the student section for that game as well. And I can oh. guarantee
0: you Rowdy wasn't being nice. <laughs> Rowdy, we ESFU. No, I mean, um,
1: if anything, I think it was me and a buddy, and, and uh, we were just uh, casually having some
0: drinks. Well, I mean, you were in Camp Randall. us water. man. I there there I hope were it was some water
1: or soda. Yeah, there were some young younger kids that were around us. Maybe it was a young Ben Kenny, because I actually remember some people chirping, and other people around us were like, "Dude, why are you doing that?"
0: Yeah, and then you're like, "Man, this guy keeps talking about the Phillies too. They stink." I mean, I mean
1: me and my buddy, we didn't care, because I mean, we because you guys were ready to rumble anyway. Yeah, I mean, me. me and I, mean, my I started buddy, off the
0: segment saying, "You every day you wake up, you chose violence." We were already we were already being. We were into the game. Drunk and We didn't boisterous. really care. Yeah. Hey, Ben, did you ever hear... No, you got your... We have our people, right? We got our ears to the street. You got your people. And you brought up the name Alex Hornibrook. I've heard things... Have you heard anything about Hornibrook of what happened?
3: Yeah. We'll talk off air. Yeah. No, I, I, I've heard this story. Okay.
0: I, I want to see if our stories match up. Okay. I'm very, I'm intrigued. I'm, in, I'm curious. Does it involve a... <laughs> All right, Ben gave me the luck. All right, we'll, we'll do that off air.
3: We'll do that off air. It's, it's an interesting story, isn't it? It is. Anyway, on the cornerback. What do you mean, anyways? It, what? Huh? Nothing. On the cornerback, though, he, he's also played like 500 snaps on special teams in his career. And so Packers, for a team that has the worst special teams I've ever seen, hopefully this helps.
0: Well, that's the Packers every year. Their special teams are just always putrid. I everyone I really never said it,
1: but yeah, in that first preseason game, every single time the Houston Texans had like a a bigger play on offense, it was normally Josh Jackson that was covering that wide receiver mm-hmm. and actually, uh I believe it was a text message chain between you myself and our pack one of our Packer guys, Rob
0: Racial, Robbie. Where if I can? Oh, f- I don't see. I wasn't involved in the. I know I was in the chain of text rowdy, but I was literally had no cell phone service. So I couldn't. I never got them. <laughs> and if I did, it was like something. There was. I have to go look. I was out of cell phone range. I didn't. I. I was. I was watching the game though. Thankfully, someone had Direct TV out there in the uh, Chamber Island. Let's see here, Nelson Rab. <laughs>
1: It was a Saturday at 7.53 p.m. Yeah, this is for you. I texted, well, I think Goody has seen enough of Josh Jackson at cornerback. And he certainly
0: has. As... And
1: Rob liked that comment. And now he's traded.
0: Well, I think Aaron Rodgers saw enough, too, because I think then he went and told Brian Gutekunst to ship him off somewhere. So uh, that's Aaron Rodgers told his assistant, to the GM Brian Gutekunst to ship him off, and that's exactly what happened. So we'll see. I mean, we'll see what happens. It's it's a minor move. You hope you hope for the best. But I think the worst is not going to be that bad, right? Well, I mean, worst-case worst
1: scenario, you have the same exact player. Yeah, so whatever. A guy that's not really going to be playing other than some special
0: teams. Yeah, there you go. There it is. Packers back at it on the practice field today. Got the Jets coming up on Saturday. I do believe it was at 345, I want to say. So we'll see if uh, Jordan Love is going to play or not. I don't know. Jury's still out on Love if he's playing or not.
1: Yeah, wasn't he uh,
0: out of practice? Yeah, he didn't practice. Or potentially out of practice
1: for the next two or three days because of the shoulder?
0: Yeah. Uh, LaFleur was saying, though, that Jordan Love seemed fine. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Also, Rowdy, speaking of the GM that is Aaron Rodgers, you know he was uh, championing hard for Clay Matthews to come back as well as Randall Cobb and David Bakhtiari. There is a new twist in this. Now it's a it's a family matter. Jennifer Matthews, Clay Matthews' sister, tweeted out yesterday, a little throwback to my brother Clay. Wouldn't that be something if he came back? And then she tagged the Packers in it with a, a photo of Clay Matthews reaching out after he had a pick six and reaching into the end zone across the plane. So now Jennifer Matthews, Rowdy, is out there for her brother saying, hey, how about Packers bring him back? I didn't realize that Clay had a sister. I just f- found her on on Twitter cuz so I saw her tweet go viral. It's I, I'm looking at Clay Matthews but with boobs. Okay, so like it's it's like I'm looking at Clay Matthews same long hair just got boobs. And I'm not talking packs. I'm talking actual boobs. Have you well, seen if her Clay before?
1: if Clay Matthews gets off his juice in like 10 20 years, I mean, he might look just like her.
0: She's tall. I mean, it's. I mean, they're siblings, so of course they look at like you know each other. I'm just. It's. It's crazy how much it just. It's Clay Matthews. So there you go, Jennifer Matthews championing for her brother to be back to the pack. Okay,
1: legit question here. Yeah. In today's today's NFL, obviously we know that quarterbacks are protected. You can't really hit the quarterback that much if if there are. Obviously, there's going to be flags and, and people get pretty chippy.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: We also know that it's becoming a younger and younger league, especially at skilled positions. And I would say an edge rusher is, is closer to a skilled position. Mm-hmm. And those guys you're seeing don't last as long, not necessarily like running backs, but they don't have the same type of uh long standing as quarterbacks do. Cause they have to be super athletic. There's the defensive ends and outside linebackers are some of the most athletic guys out on the yeah, field. They get banged around a lot too. So that's, the position that Clay Matthews, would you rather, since we're bringing back old Packers again, Brett Favre to come in because they need a quarterback with Love's shoulder being sore and he's in his 50s or Clay Matthews at 35 playing outside linebacker?
0: Brett Favre. Don't <laughs> even, I don't even have to think about it. Brett Favre. How about you?
1: Oh, Mike, could you imagine what Lambeau Field would do if Brett Favre played one preseason game?
0: It would be the most electric scene in the past decade. At Lambeau Field. It, it, people would lose their minds. It would There would be partying in the streets, Rowdy.
1: But to be completely honest, I'd take a 51-year-old Brett Favre to come out there for a preseason game and fling it around Hands and watch down. Clay Matthews try and play outside
0: and, 110%. If Clay Matthews came back, there would be like a couple people like, oh, yes, I know I've been wearing my Matthews jersey for a couple of years now with the nut on the team, but I finally have some reason to wear it again, even though I was going to wear it anyways. If Brett Favre came back? Rowdy, there would be parades, there'd be celebrations, people would be like hanging off of every bar, every roof, like shouting to the mountaintops how happy they are that the gunslinger is back.